You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody. It is Andrew Lowen with Crowdfunding Nerds, and I am here by myself just to give you guys a little bit of encouragement and explain something that I think is so important. As you know, we do a lot of work in the crowdfunding space, especially with board games. And, you know, I've seen projects that should have funded humbly fund into the hundreds of thousands of dollars with, you know, 800%, 1000% funded. Um, And I've also seen projects that should be slam dunks for overfunding barely reached their funding goal. I've seen everything in between. And what I find is that the main reason for this disparity with projects that were, that clearly had excellent art, that had a good offer and that sort of thing, you know, whether they fund very, very well or very modestly, I've noticed the reason for that oftentimes boils down to the same thing. Now, I know that um, this might surprise you guys because it is completely common sense. Actually, it won't surprise you at all. It's all about the community. But I really wanted to kind of break that down because a lot of, I mean, it's easy to say, oh yeah, you just get your community really excited about your project and then you'll uh, you'll fund and overfund. But it's a lot more more than common sense is what I would say. And so I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about what I mean when I say engage your community, how to engage your community, and to really, you know, I mean, uh, it's frustrating as a creator. I'm also a Kickstarter creator. I did experience a great amount of success with my project Deliverance. And, uh, you know, many of our clients experience that too. And, you know, while marketing can, you know, that's what people pay me for is to market their projects and, and, and other things. But marketing is not the solution to, you know, getting your community engaged and, and overfunding a bajillion dollars. It's, you know, might seem like it's a little, uh, self, um, destructive to, for me as a marketer to say that, but marketing should always be considered the supporting cast to the main things that you're doing with your community, your community, the people that back your game, the people who get excited about your game are the, is that is the reason that you're going to fund. And very importantly, that's the reason you're going to fund quickly. It's not me getting a bunch of new people to see what it is that you have to offer. It's that you have to stir up those people that are really, really excited about your project. And really, I guess the goal is to get those people to tell others because those people can become, you know, your, your, your greatest fans can become your greatest sales force. That's really the key to everything that we do on Kickstarter. It's really all about activating your fans. And if you have no hardcore rabid fans, they, they're just not going to activate. One of the biggest mistakes that you can make is, you know, in my opinion, it's like penny wise and pound foolish to pay money for marketing and to pay money for really amazing art and to spend all this time playtesting and and really fine-tuning your game only to have it fund very modestly because it just didn't have a bunch of people excited about it. I actually look at that as a failure on the creator's part. And it's a really, it's a, I'll, I'll say, it seems like a simple thing to, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen, but it's 
again, more than common sense for how to actually do this. You'll have a lot of people that just by their very nature are going to hit the nail on the head and do it right. And let me tell you exactly how I see my, my clients doing very, very well. So, uh, and then also, of course, kind of the average performing people or the underperforming people, the, the ones that should have done better. Let's talk about those first. You know, I, I mentioned before that they do all, everything right. They have a good offer. They have great art. They put money into marketing and, and it looks, you know, they make their product look great. They have a good looking Kickstarter page and it just funds modestly. And the reason for that is because people will look at the theme and say, oh, you know, this is, let's say a sci-fi 4X game, or this is a fantasy dungeon crawl or, you know, whatever it is, you, you name it. There are other games like it. And maybe there's another game like it on Kickstarter. So, you know, all of that work that you did for marketing, you get people to go to your Kickstarter page. They look at it. Maybe they back your game. Maybe they back for a dollar. Maybe they follow it just to see what, what comes of it. But what they're going to do is oftentimes they look, you know, for all of the other games that recently launched or all of the other hot games because they're on Kickstarter anyway. So they might as well just browse and spend time. Um, maybe they find a project they think is cooler than yours. And, this is where you run into problems because if somebody, you know, if one of your, let's say the first guy to ever sign up for your email list is really interested in what you have, but, you know, he goes on Kickstarter, he follows you, you know, and, and then goes on Kickstarter and sees another similar project that maybe is funded 600% or whatever. Um, maybe he decides to throw in his chips with that company and, and with that game. The reason that he's going to do that is because in essence, if you didn't really work to engage hard, just hardcore, you know, turn those people into hardcore fans. If you didn't work to engage your community, what, what he's doing is he's treating your company, you know, in, in this made up example that I'm coming up with, that is all too common really is he's treating your company like you are treating him. You are treating him like a, a coin purse, like a money pouch. You're treating him like, Hey, you know, I, I got you on my email list and now here's my offer, buy it, you know, and he is uh, treating you like, you know, in, in kind, he's saying, you know, if I like it, then I'll buy it, but I have no real stake in the game because it's, you know, just one product of many. So if it's the best product, I'll buy it maybe. Right. And, uh, you know, if it suits my interests well, but he's going to kind of, you know, explore and play the field a little bit and see what, you know, kind of the biggest bang for his buck is going to be. Now, what I want that person to do for, for my clients and for you, I want that person, when they go to Kickstarter, they're going to jump in for All In or for the Deluxe Edition or whatever it is, and they see some other game that's been funded 800%. You know, I, when Deliverance launched, we had The Witcher. Uh, the Witcher was in its final 48 hours when Deliverance launched, or it was right about to enter in. I think it was either in Final 48 or in its last week or something like that. And it had raised millions of dollars. And it, by all accounts, was a very similar style of game. It was a, um, you know, this epic fantasy kind of tactical combat. You know, The Witcher is more like a campaign-driven uh, dungeon crawl. And, that you know, and we funded $140,000 that day. So what I had were a bunch of rabid fans that didn't care about any other game. They only cared about deliverance. They wanted deliverance. They didn't want like a tactical combat, this and that. I mean, yeah, it all played into it, but 
what I was able to successfully do is I was able to work my audience into an excitement so that they were just ready to to buy. And it didn't matter what other projects there were. And I want to tell you guys exactly how I did that. So the uh, let me give you the short and then I can kind of break it down a little bit. So first of all, I um, spent time really letting people know what was going on. So I built my audience over a period of about two years, just, you know, organically most of the way. And then I paid for Facebook ads in addition to all of the organic stuff later, you know, but um, for the first, you know, year and, and change, probably first year and six months, I didn't really spend anything on marketing. And I just, you know, talked about it in Facebook groups. I created my own Facebook group. And very importantly, I shared what I was doing. As creators, we oftentimes want to share the big things. Like, for example, when Deliverance had, you know, when I announced Deliverance had miniatures, people went nuts. You know, they were so excited. It was like one of the biggest, most engaged posts ever, you know, and that was, that's a really big announcement. But it's, it's something that, you know, you, you want to have a lot more. You want to be able to share a lot more than just like the big stuff, you know, just let people know what you're working on each week. The day-to-day stuff is really the fun part. Share a single art piece, like a work in progress for an art piece. And then, you know, later share the colored in version and then maybe the finalized version on an actual card or something. Those are three different posts that you can share. And, you know, for deliverance, we had hundreds of cards and many characters and all sorts of other things. And it was a lot of stuff that I got to share. I was able to share sketches. I was able to share, you know, rough versions of art. I was able to, you know, um, share uh, images of my play tests, you know, images of my prototypes. Um, those types of things were all eye candy that, you know, that people love on Facebook. And in addition to that, all the time as I'm working, you know, I feel like sometimes I work just as a game designer in my own little bubble. You know, I, I work by myself sometimes just in the, you know, my, my office and, you know, I'm, I'm tinkering around or on like my dining room table with my game. And I am, you know, thinking a lot of things, but I'm not really talking. I feel like, um, you know, I need to kind of get it out a little bit. So my wife, who's my number one playtester, gets to hear all sorts of stuff when I'm, you know, when I uh, have thoughts about my game, you know, my board game projects, I'm, she's the one that I often talk to. And um, while she's amazing and extremely uh, generous with her time uh, for that and her attention for what it is that I'm doing, it's also been a real blessing. As soon as I started to ask my community the same things I was thinking and, and asking my wife, it, it really drove a lot of engagement and it allowed my community to think critically about my project and provide feedback. And oftentimes that feedback, I, I always thanked them for, for sharing, but I also responded kind of drilling deeper. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, yeah, I tried that and that didn't quite work. What would you do if you were faced with this problem, you know, and I engaged my community in conversation about like the theory crafting of my game. I think that's a really important point is that the people that engage with you, that talk with you about your your actual product, they are helping you make your product better. And what you are doing 
even though, you know, they, they might not even realize it. You are helping them to just become rabid fans because when they, you know, they look at, let's say you have a, a 4X kind of space game. Let's say two of them launch in the same day or one of them is way more funded um, than yours and, you know, you launch. Why would that person back yours instead of the one that is like the slam dunk, you know, 50 stretch goals unlocked? The reason, the answer is it, well, the reason that they would absolutely back yours is if they were able to actually share their input with you, they, they're going to feel some ownership over that game. Like, Hey, I helped make this what it is. I can't wait to experience it. And that's what I found with a lot of the people in deliverance. You know, there were a lot of feedback given. There was a lot of feedback given on the rule book, on various, you know, angels on the art pieces, like, Hey, there's this one, you know, issue I have with this art piece. So let's say that you have a 4X space game that you're making and then you know what uh you launch on kickstarter and then there's some other 4x space game that is you know 500 funded with 20 stretch goals unlocked and uh looks awesome and is some big you know intellectual property that everybody knows you know why would that person back your game rather than the you know the game that looks like the slam dunk uh you know the really amazing one that knocked down all the stretch goals and if they gave you feedback and you implemented that feedback and they have engaged with you over the months leading up to your Kickstarter, uh, maybe even the years leading up to your Kickstarter in in my case, um, they feel a sense of ownership in your game that they actually contributed to um, what it is that you were doing. And that's oftentimes why they really, you know, just can't wait to play your game because they feel like, you know, it's their game too. And, you know, by involving your audience in, in that way, by actually bringing them in and taking their feedback and everything, you're, you are going to win them over as a hardcore fan because you're showing that you care about them. You care about what they think and their opinion. And, you know, you, you show that you value them as an expert in, you know, board games, which they kind of are, you know, your, your board game fans are going to be the ones that understand your stuff. And, or, you know, if you have a video game or whatever it is, same, same goes. So, you know, one example in deliverance is I had, um, you know, the various angels in deliverance are the characters you get to play. And each one kind of celebrates a particular culture around uh, the world. And one of them, his name is Sardius. He is the Sar Sardius, uh, the stonebender. And we, um, he's, uh, you know, modeled after like uh, an Ethiopian person and has that armor style and, and everything like that. And one fan mentioned, you know, hey, uh, you know, he had this kind of cloth, almost like a loincloth in, in a way with uh, like a really nice looking belt and uh, uh, interesting looking robe uh, with no, um, no, like top shirt on, you know, he just looks shredded with his muscles and all that. And they were like, hey, you know, uh, I feel like this angel is a little bit too scantily clad for me. They're quite a, a conservative person. And they were like, you know, I'm just I'm a little nervous to have my daughters play this game because there's this guy that doesn't really have that many, you know, much clothing on. Can you potentially give him a shirt or something, you know? And uh, what I ended up doing was I extended the, um, we'll, we'll call it the loincloth, like the skirt uh, area like below his waist. Originally, he had uh, straps kind of around 
of cloth around his thighs. And I lowered that to, you know, the straps so that the, the straps kind of, um, you know, we'll, we'll say like the, the kilt or skirt or straps ended up going down to around his knees. And I did not cover his, his shirt, you know, or his chest with a shirt or something, uh, because that's just not the way that, that culture, uh, dressed. Right. And so, you know, at least with the, the style that we were going for, and I let that person know, Hey, I just based on your feedback, this is the change. And by the way, this art piece was a finished art piece. It was like, I'm done with this. And then somebody's like, but I have this concern. And then I went out of my way and asked my artist to just give him, you know, bring that, that, uh, clothing a little bit lower. So it's a little more conservative. And that person really appreciated it. It was like, you know, I'm still not a super fan of the fact that his chest is bare, but I'm really thankful and appreciative that you listened to me. And that person ended up going all in uh, beyond that, in fact. Um, It's a huge, huge thing for our campaign. So engaging your community in, in whatever community it, you know, you decided to use, whatever means a Facebook group, a Discord server. I don't know what else exists right now. I feel like those are like the main two. Um, And just so you know, Instagram, a Facebook page, that doesn't count to me. It's just not a place that people go to congregate. Like a community is a place that people go to congregate. So while other places might exist, you might have people that like your page and, you know, maybe even interact on your page. They're not you know, it's not really a community place that that you can gather people. Um, the email list is definitely something that you want to, you know, try to encourage others to engage in your community. But I feel like it's more of like a re-engagement tool than an actual community. You know, like for my email list, I, I'll send an email out once a month and it will oftentimes highlight a conversation that was had in are, you know, in a community, like a really memorable conversation and it'll direct people there. Say, if you want to engage like that, this is where you go and, and this is how you do it. Or maybe it'll include some reflections like, Hey, uh, you know, we were having a great conversation in the Facebook group and this is what the conclusion was. And I was wondering what you guys think. And I'll direct people to the Facebook group, which actually was huge. Every time I sent out an email, I had, you know, anywhere from 20 to 100 people join the Facebook group because they, um, you know, they, they were like, oh, this is where people engage. And they kind of got with the program. And again, as I always say, you want to, a little bit of a tangent, but you want to try to win the right to communicate with your email list across as many different mediums as you possibly can. So, you know, you get your person that was on the email list into your Facebook group that, of course, they get into your community and they can interact more there, but they're going to receive notifications from you in both places. So if they missed your email, they'll probably see your Facebook post or, you know, the the group post and uh, or maybe the Discord announcement or something like that. So I think that that's really important. The key, in my opinion, to communicating because we're all busy. We all have some, you know, things that we need to, um, like our life responsibilities. You've got a job, you've got, um, other things that you need to do, like designing the game. You know, if you don't have a great game, I mean, it's like you're, you're, it's all for naught, right? The idea is that what I did and what I see great creators do that that we work with, they are proactive in their communication. And oftentimes, whatever it is that they're working on, you know, like uh, I mentioned earlier, the single art piece, if you get a sketch from your artist, share that 
and share it like when you get the sketch, you know, don't, don't say like, oh, I'm going to, you know, don't plan out to share in the future necessarily. I found that when I did that, I would oftentimes forget to, to be active, you know, so my Facebook group, um, it needs content on a regular basis. And it's really, really hard to pre-plan content. It requires a lot of work. I mean, people have full-time jobs dedicated to doing that. So, you know, for companies and, and, you know, they post every day and that's just their full-time job. They, uh, you know, manage their community and all of that. So I knew that I didn't have time to, you know, to do that. I had to kind of leverage whatever else I was doing in that effort to kind of keep my community active and engaged. And so whatever it is that I was working on, I would take a picture of it and just post that and say something about it. Oftentimes I would get engagement that, you know, where my fans themselves started talking to each other. And that's exactly what you want. It's really easy for me while I'm actually working on something to talk about that thing because I'm thinking about it. My mind is on that wavelength. And it's not like I sit down and I think, okay, what are the next 30 posts I'm going to make one a day for the, for the next month? That's just really, really difficult and time consuming and kind of lame. You know, your posts don't come across as like authentic um, unless you're a company that is, you know, like a larger company that has clear timelines and, and all this other stuff. I mean, it's just not going to, it's not going to come across like as a small creator, you really want to, to be, you know, foster that grassroots thing. And the best way is to give them a a thing that you're working on and and say like, Oh, you know, here's uh, the latest play test of this particular dungeon or whatever it is. And people will, people love that. They eat that stuff up. Um, So, share what it is that you're working on. If you save all the stuff and you share like, you know, the, the entire deck of cards or whatever, um, maybe all of the cool art pieces at once. I mean, that's just like all that stuff was wasted in a single post. Whereas if, yeah, I don't know if you share 10 or 20 art pieces that could have been like 20 to 40 posts because you share a, you know, the sketch and then you share the finished piece. Um, yeah, I mean, you can do all of that. Just, you know, like for me, I would always have once a week, I would share a sketch and then the next week I would share like the in progress and the next week I would share the finished piece. And that is, I mean, that's turning one art piece into three. And then of course, later on, I would share the art piece in the actual card frame and uh, things like that. And that's turning one asset that cost me, you know, a couple of hundred dollars into a week's worth of posts on its own. So that type of thing really, really helps. Um, another thing I think is in a way it's kind of a, a sacrifice on your part is to become the face of your company. So a lot, a lot of people, you know, especially those that are introverted are going to, uh, want to remain in the background. And for me, I'm, I tend to be quite extroverted, but I like to be private with my life, you know, I, with my family, my children, uh, what it is that I do for work. Uh, one day, you know, when I'm a millionaire, I want nobody to know, you know, I just want to be like the dude that runs deliverance and low end games and, and all of that. I don't want people to, to be thinking, you know, wow, he lives in a nice big house with, uh, or whatever. Right. Um, so, but the thing is, you know, people gravitate toward other people. They don't gravitate toward things as much. And it's it's a whole lot easier to, to, you know, just be the face of your company and get engagement. Because I, I find, you know, and the, the practical way that this kind of um, happens in 
you know, managing your communities is in, uh, you know, if you personally make the post, if it's Andrew Lowen that posts versus uh, Lowen Games, it's different. People will interact with you as like a corporate entity if you post as your company name or as your your board game's name, you know, as your official page. It, it just gets a different type of response. But people feel like they know me. They know my kids. They like I had a, a kid right after I had my sixth child. My wife did. Uh, I was just there. <laughs> it was it was my fault, but I was just like in the room while she was the hero. But people got to kind of experience that with me because I shared that with them. I don't want to share that with everybody, but it is quite an intimate thing when I can bring my deliverance community into my life, you know. And and I, you know, my family, we've just de- we decided that we're going to sacrifice the privacy that we enjoy a, a little bit of it so that we can give people that, uh, you know, what they, what they want, which is they want to feel like they're a part of something. And it, you know, they, they feel like they're my friend, you know, is kind of what it's like, because that's what I share with friends and family. And, you know, that I treat them like family. They're going to treat me like, uh, like, like I, you know, like I matter. So if some other, you know, angel game or some other, whatever game comes out that is similar there's not even a question which game they're going to get. The question is, are they going all in on my game or are they just getting the deluxe edition, you know? And so I think that that's really important. Um, another thing that I'll mention, because as I'm, as I'm talking, actually I got a message from one of my, one of my, uh, I'll, I'll say like one of our uh, biggest fans is a guy, his name is Chaz. He helps us run our, um, our discord server. There is no way that I could manage all of my communities constantly along with everything else that I'm doing. I mean, it's just so hard. I just don't have the bandwidth to do all of the stuff. So what I find is that your hardcore fans are willing to help you. I got a suggestion that I should start a discord server and, you know, by a fan. And and I'm like, I just, I feel like so, so spread thin. Um, can you help me? And he was like, yeah, sure I can. And, and, you know, now we have a very, popular discord server i mean for us i mean it's it's pretty popular we've got you know at the moment like 150 people online right now and over 600 that are in the in the group and or on the server um which is really cool and people are playing games there all the time and that just you know it was a little i don't know like a little snowball that i started rolling down a hill but i couldn't have done it without the help of Chaz from my community he's like so invaluable um totally volunteers just does it because he really loves it has passion for it. And, and I am super blessed to have somebody like that. And there are others too, um, that help me and do and help me do things, help me leverage time in a way that I could never do it by myself. And that happens based on just developing hardcore, super excited fans that feel like they know you that they, and, and that you value them. And so they're going to value you because they're going to care about you because you care about them. So I hope this really helped just kind of shed a little bit of light into how to really drive a community. You know, there is one other thing um, that I'll mention, and this is an area that I feel a lot of people kind of fall on their face. Again, you do all this hard work, you build your email list, you spend a lot of money on marketing for, you know, to get that momentum, you spend all that time in your Facebook group and, and, and everywhere else trying to get people to care about what it is that you have to, to talk about. And then you fail on your emails. One of the problems that I see are people that write an email 
that just isn't very engaging, that hasn't had a lot of forethought. I mean, for me, when I write an email for deliverance, I feel like it takes me the better part of like five hours or six hours. Maybe I split it over like two or three days um, because it's just a lot of work. And the reason that it's a lot of work is because, you know, oftentimes the first part of my email, the, the way that I write an email, maybe that'd be a really great podcast topic, but the way that I write an email, I often will think, what are the main things that happened this last month? First thing I do is I go back through my community and I look at the big conversations and the big announcements or whatever, you know, that, that we had that I have since forgotten because I'm busy and I'm focused on the now and the here and the now and the future. I look at what we talked about in the past and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. We unveiled the fact that we're having a campaign, you know? And so, you know, what I do is I uh, will kind of bullet out the big topics, the things that I want to talk about, the main message I want to get across or messages and, you know, the calls to action, like where do I want to send people and, and that kind of thing. But you really need to take time. Like you can't just sit down, bust an email out in an hour and then send it. You really need to plan it and you need to take that time and that care in your email list. Um, for me, some of my emails were quite long, but I, I have a very great open rate and uh, a high click-through rate and everything because people read the email. And um, I think that that's super important. You know, you have to share things that people want to know. That's really the key to email marketing is like, uh, you know, if you want a great open rate, you want a great click-through rate, you have to train it, your your audience to, to, to look for your email and to want to open it. It's like, oh, it's deliverance. I can't wait to hear about what's going on next. Or, oh, it's you know, whatever game or whatever company. That's the the thing that you want people to get. In in the end, you know, they're not your subscriber count. Like for me, you know, whatever, 4,500 subscribers on our email list right now uh, for, for deliverance before we launched on Kickstarter, those people each have opinions and they have their own thoughts and and feelings and their own, you know, budgets and, and everything like that. And, um, a lot of the time, I think we look at those people as numbers and not as humans, which each one of them represents a human that showed interest in your game. And you need to show interest in each one of those people individually as much as you possibly can. And in my opinion, it boils down to working to engage those people and also working to give those people the type of content that they want to see, which might change, you know, in, you know, depending on your uh, situation. For me, you know, it's, I, I shared a lot about the types of things that we do, but I feel like, uh, you know, you, you guys could probably add quite a lot to this conversation um, and, and these thoughts. So hopefully this gave you an idea of how to really engage your community um, I want you to succeed. I want you to raise more money on Kickstarter. I want you to um, go in knowing what is going to be required of you. And, you know, one last tip I'll say, uh, and it's always one last thing with me. Uh, it's like, here's the next one last thing. I guess don't stretch yourself too thin with the the idea of community. For me, you know, I reached my my limit with the Facebook group. I'm on Facebook all the time anyway, so Facebook group was like a natural fit. I also run a community on Board Game Geek and Discord. And now that I launched Kickstarter, there's a, you know, people that use Kickstarter that want answers there. And um that's four communities that I have kind of established 
So that's totally my limit. Like I don't have any more bandwidth to even like post on Instagram. I'm just like, you know, I mean, maybe one day I'll do something else, but it just, it feels like there's just not enough time in the day to manage all of these things. And I would encourage you not to stretch yourself too thin. Pick your number one, like communication place and focus on that. And uh, that's the one that you manage. And then if others would be willing to just relay information, like I ask people to help me with Board Game Geek by just posting things that I share or, you know, talking about what's in the email or whatever. And my fans started doing that. Those are the types of things that, you know, you want to think about. And, uh, you know, and, and the the last, last, last thing, if, if one of your fans gives you know, just starts, a, uh, you know, asks a question like, hey, what? let's do the create a character challenge or whatever. I think that you should really go out of your way to encourage that in every single way possible, because oftentimes if they start it and you encourage them, they will champion the idea and really kind of take the lead on your your community character challenge or whatever it is. So, um, you know, we recently did a lieutenant challenge where, uh, you know, in Deliverance, there are bosses called Fallen Princes. And then there are mini bosses I call, uh, they're, they're uh, different type of encounter called lieutenants. And the idea is that I asked my community to come up with a cool lieutenant uh, because I was, you know, having a problem with coming up with uh, a really memorable encounter. And I was like, well, I wonder what my community could put together. They played the game a lot and that kind of thing. And I had a bunch of entries and just some people got so excited about it. It became um, something really cool. And my reward was just simply upgrading their pledge level to like the next level. If you got the base game, I would give you the deluxe edition, which is like $30 more um, in value. And uh, they all really loved that. So anyway, hopefully it was a lot of great ideas. Um, just, Came, this came from a uh, conversation that I had with uh, Ben Levy. Um, they have uh, with, uh, Strongbox, game, Strongbox Games. They've got uh, a game coming out that uh, that I'm excited about. Um, and it's just one of those things. Like this, con this whole conversation basically came from the crowdfunding nerds community. <laughs> you know, people that had thoughts and and wanted to share. And so, anyway. I hope you all enjoyed this, and I don't know how to end this without Rick. Rick, Rick, please come and end this. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.